Who are you and what does spirituality mean to you? Episode 47 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast. If you're a regular listener of the show, chances are you've enjoyed my conversations with Christopher Stefanik of Choice Conversations. And here's one that we did a few years ago on the topic of spirituality. Chris mentions a conversation that we had later on positive thinking, which I included as episode 22, in case you want to listen to that afterwards. Today I welcome back Anthony Samroff. Anthony, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you for agreeing to indulge me a fourth time on Choice, choice Conversations. I always really like being on your show. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. So, so today... We've been talking about having this conversation for a long time. We're finally going to have it. We are going to talk about spirituality. So maybe I guess we should start with what 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 do we even define spirituality as? What is spirituality? What what's your working definition? It's hard to come to a definition because there's not a real consensus on it, but. Up until listening to Sam Harris, my interpretation of the word spirituality would simply be the proposition that people have souls. What do you think of that? Well, you know, I mean, it's the root of the word spirit. Mm. You know, and people, when they talk about it, they're they're talking about your spirit or a a spiritual person. Mm. You know, you hear a lot of discussion about spirituality when people are talking about holistic health. Right. You know, there's, there's physical health, mental health in spiritual health, you know, so trying to, to take care of that. And, and, and yeah, I think from, for people that believe in a soul and believe in, in a spirit, that that's what that means. Actually, it's the, mm-hmm. your, your spirituality is, is being in touch with the, your spirit. And let's see, I'm trying to find a, uh, let me see, let me see what dictionary.com has for us. Ecclesiastical property or revenue. What the hell does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Let's try definition number two. Uh, the body of ecclesiastics. So, so let's see. This this got to be another definition for that. Boy, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling that definition. So, I don't even know ecclesiastics. I don't even know what that means. A member ecclesiastics is a, a member of the clergy or other person in religious orders. Yeah, I don't think that's how we're using spirituality. So. Hmm. What's your thinking on it? Hmm. It's an interesting thing because um, the Indian mystic Osho said that the mind is the invisible body and the body is the invisible mind and that the English language was impoverished in the fact that it did not have one word that sums up body and mind together. And spirit, if you want to use that, in fact, you know, I keep on needing to add extra words to describe what you are. What are you? What are you? Who is this person having this conversation with me? Some people will say you are your body. Some people will say you are your mind. And some people will say you are your soul. So I guess spirituality um, is a search for uh, empirical on a deep level, understanding of what is this? What is this that I am? What is this thing? And the body, the word body is a very good way to describe it, except for we only think of our physical body. But actually, if I refer to choice conversations, there is a body of work there. And when I say the body of work that is your podcasts that's every podcast you've ever put out you understand that the body is all that you are so there's two things that can be meant by the word the body is all that you are there's what a mystical reading of it which is body mind and spirit anything else you can add to the mix and then there's just um your physical body and you've got this dualistic mind or even spirit separate from that what do you think? I was still looking up the <laughs> acceptable definitions of spirituality. Let me, let me, uh, so I, I spaced out towards the end. So I, let me think. I think what, you're, what you were saying is basically spirituality is the area where the mind and the body come together. You know, because people like to have this false 
duality where there's the mind and the body. But the mind, you know, the, the mind, as far as we can tell, is resists, exists inside the nervous system, especially, most especially the brain. And the brain is part of the body, so it's not really a, um, a separate entity from the body even though it almost has the appearance of being a separate entity from the body. So is that what you're saying, is that spirituality is where the mind meets the body? Um, well, what I was saying really was, um, in, a practical in a practical sense, spirituality is the desire to understand what you are. Who is, this, who, who is Christophanic? Who is this person having this conversation with me? Is it your body? Is it your mind? Is it your? Is it all of it? And what is that? What is that? How are you conscious? How are you even able to experience this conversation? What is going on there? And and that that is to me spirituality. It's a lived question. And for me, spirituality in a practical sense is living with the deep knowledge that I'm basically in a, set, in a state of partnership with my environment. I am the co-creator of my life. Yes, there's all sorts of factors and situations that are completely out of my control, and yet how I choose to respond to those situations is completely up to me. So to me, spirituality means that I'm in a in a state of partnership with my environment. Hmm. That's that's. I like that. That's 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 nice. While you were talking, I found on Wikipedia spirituality. It has something that seems more like what most people would consider when they're talking about. So the opening paragraph on Wikipedia is: spirituality is a process of personal transformation, either in accordance with traditional religious ideals or increasingly oriented on subjective experience and psychological growth independently of any specific religious context. In a more general sense, it may refer to almost any kind of meaningful activity or blissful experience. And then it closes it out by saying, there is no single widely agreed upon definition of the concept. Mm. You know? mm. But yeah, it's th this idea of growth and definitely um, subjective experience and, 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 and uh, you know, the psychological realm becomes a big part of it. So when people talk about the holistic health of you know, mind, body, and spirit, the, the difference between the mind and the spirit, for me, it, it blurs as being something separate. So it, it's almost, mm -hmm. the, the only difference would be where, the, the, um, I, I would say the, the main difference would be where the, the things you're, you're doing to work on those areas to, to you know, the exercises you're doing for personal growth. Mm. So, mm. I guess maybe I should back up and talk about what my view of, of, of spirituality, how I, I incorporate spirituality and, and spiritual traditions into my life. So, first of all, I'm going to go ahead and insert right here a passage from Against the Gods, a book from Stefan Molyneux. In all these phases, there is a deep and consistent sense of a vast and powerful consciousness that lies outside the ranges of our conscious ego, which contains deep, mysterious elements of eternity, which existed before us and will continue to exist after us, which informs and guides many, if not most, of our decisions, reveals its purpose and intentions through visions and dreams, frustrates our vices and supports our virtues, and responds indirectly and metaphorically to abasement and supplication. It is scarcely a novel insight to point out that our minds are divided between our conscious ego and our subconscious. Our conscious ego needs little explanation. It is the self-aware part of us that responds to willpower, focus, attention, and has direct access to the memories that we have accumulated in our lifetimes. It is a precise and astoundingly powerful tool that in a very real sense can be called the most mortal part of ourselves, since it grows and develops with us, and will certainly die with us, as will our personal memories. However, there exists below consciousness, or surrounding consciousness, the subconscious, 
whose processing power dwarfs the puny efforts of our conscious mind, and which also contains an element of eternity within itself. Our conscious memories are specific to our own lives, as are our more conscious choices and plans. I may dream at night of something I experienced that day, but the capacity for the experience of dreaming is not something that I have chosen, but rather something that my subconscious mind has developed and inherited and refined over millions of years. The subconscious mind, which controls everything from our heart rate to our breathing to our increasing uneasiness we experience when we are in a dangerous situation we have not yet noticed consciously, is like an eternal guardian angel or a fenging devil. You know, if we have done evil, which is constantly prodding us with interfering emotions and sensations, discouraging us with fear and guilt, spurring us on with desire and pleasure, lecturing us about our choices and nightly dreams, whipping us on our short-term lust while simultaneously cautioning us with fears about the long-term stability of our sexual partners, to name just a few. When we think of religion, we think of a puny consciousness, that of a man embedded in an internal, infinite, and seemingly omniscient consciousness, which never shows itself directly, but which takes an enormous interest in us and evaluates our choices and preferences. It rewards us and punishes us and responds in maddeningly oblique ways to our direct and painful supplications. Gods are also experienced as existing before us and living on after us, which directly relates to the quasi-eternal nature of the subconscious, which existed prior to our conscious mind and memories, even in the individual, and which is the ancient foundation upon which the temple of our ego was built. The mind of God is also considered to be vastly superior to that of man. Is this not also exactly an exact description of the subconscious, whose processing power has been estimated at 7,000 times that of the conscious mind? Man is considered to be a creation of God, and God a deep and eternal consciousness that existed forever. Is this not an exact description of the relationship between the conscious ego and the subconscious? As a species, and in our own lives, our ego evolves out of our subconscious, which is why we cannot remember our very early years. I have an arm, which I can call my arm in a sense, but it is not really my arm, because it existed before I experienced an I. My arm preceded me, since it developed in the womb, and my ego has no part in its planning or creation but rather my ego grew out of my body many years later. My arm, my body, my subconscious existed before me, and certainly my body will exist after me, though my ego will not be around to watch it decompose. Thus, when we say that man is created by God, what we really mean is that the ego was created by the body, which preceded the ego both individually and collectively. My arm preceded my consciousness by years, and human arms in general preceded my particular arm by millions of years. It is in this sense that we are in fact created by an eternal pattern that preceded us. However primitively we may have anthropomorphized, that's a big word, this basic truth. The subconscious, like monotheism, also resists the imposition of a singular identity, no matter how fervently desired. The subconscious contains a vast multiplicity of alter egos, various aspects of the conscious mind designed to fit into whatever hierarchy wraps around us in the moment, as well as the multiple alter egos of those around us, those who raised us and taught us, and perhaps harmed and abused us. All right, so thank you for indulging me while I, I read that lengthy passage. Well, thank you. When I first read that, you know, I, I well, I was listening to the audio book, and I had to hit pause <laughs> and just sit there and digest that for a while. Mm. And I was like, "Wow, this really makes a lot of sense." Because I, I had been an atheist for some time and did not believe in a soul. And when people would talk about spirituality, I would just you know my eyes would glaze over and I'd just be like, "Yeah, whatever. It's just mumbo jumbo." You know, talking about the soul, whatever. It's it's not real. There's no evidence for that. And then I read this, and I said, you know what? Wait a minute. 
and, and at this time, I was also starting to get exposed to, to other areas, things like the, you know, the, 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 the fact that faith healings often will work. Right. You know, the fact that people's prayers will often be answered. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, well, you know, how do I make sense of all of this? And I said, well, you know, also, it's, I mean, this is extremely well documented. I mean, there's probably literally thousands of studies backing this up that, that placebos work to heal people. Mm-hmm. You know, so what this is telling us is, you know, the placebo effect or faith healings is, you know, there is definitely a mind over, mind over matter kind of thing that can happen at, at the physical level with healing your body physically. But there is also a mind over mind over matter or just that you can harness the power of your mind. You know, if you believe you're being healed, that you get healed, you can harness that for other areas. Like, you know, if you believe that you're going to be successful at an endeavor mm. that can directly translate into you being successful at it. Just like if you believe there's no way you're going to be successful at this endeavor. Yeah. Just, you know, you're, it's, it's the same, same way. I mean, I like the quote from Henry Ford, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, Either way, you're right. Yeah, it's a great quote. Right. So there, there's, and, and well, why is that? You know, and, and I read a book, it's a, a positive thinking book by Joseph Murphy, and it's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. And the book, it's very much about using prayer as the primary tool for positive thinking. So there's a lot of positive thinking books out there, you know, thousands of positive thinking books out there. And they can definitely be used, positive thinking exercises in life can be used to provide positive changes in your life. And, you know, Joseph Murphy is like, you know, this, they could be used to answer your prayers. <laughs> he said, you know, I use prayer. He goes, but I'm not, he goes, you can be an atheist and you can pray. He said, Wait. he's like, I'm not trying to tell you that it's God is answering your prayers. He said, this, you know, we know the subconscious mind is extremely powerful we know the subconscious mind influences the conscious mind dramatically, and it has this power over the body. And you know, they uh, there's a lot of in, in in the New Age books and the like, and um, positive thinking books. There's a lot of talk about how this you know, the mind or the subconscious mind has an influence over the world around you, you know, and other people. I, I'm not quite there yet to believe in that, but um, certainly. If I change the way I act, if I change the beliefs in my mind, it's going to change the way people around me respond to me. Right. So if if I believe my boss is an asshole and he's out to get me, I'm going to act differently to him. Even if the, the, the exact same words might come out of my mouth as if, you know, I have two beliefs. Either he's an asshole and he's out to get me or, you know what, my boss, um, if, if, if I instead hold the belief, you know what? Um, I'm really great at my job. I've got a strong relationship with my boss. And together, you know, we both want this company to be successful. We both want this project to be successful. Together, we're going to get there. If I go in with that attitude, the exact same words might come out of my mouth in either way. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, those words being, I, I've evaluated the situation and the path we're going down is not very likely to be successful. I have... A proposal to make. I think this is is much better strategy for having success in this project. But if I'm holding the one belief, even though the exact same words come out of my mouth, if I'm holding the one belief, his response to me could be dramatically different than if I'm holding the other belief, because there's going to be so much nonverbal communication going on, the way just my my posture and all these other things. So, Mm. you know, if you're positive and 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 you're 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 an upbeat kind of person. People are going to want to promote you. They're going to want to help you out. They're going to want where if you're negative, people are, you know, that's going to be less likely. So there's all these things where you, you actually very much can influence people around you and make it seem like, oh, my God, through the power of my mind, now all of a sudden there's the world is the universe is just offering up all these opportunities to me. And, and in a sense, it, it is, but it's, it's not so much – I'm, I'm not there yet saying that you're actually changing the outside world. I think it's just you're changing yourself. And so people react differently to you when that happens. Okay, I agree with you. What I would be interested in knowing is, right, so 
This brings and calls into question the idea of is there an objective truth? Because what you're essentially saying is if you believe positive things, whether or not they're true, they will have a positive effect on your life. So that's a value that's a value judgment. Um whether there's some metaphysical law at work or it's simply mechanistic, when you approach that situation with your boss with an attitude of, well, you know, my boss has got some issues just like everyone else, but if I teach, treat him with a person who's got basic dignity and deserves respect like everyone else, I treat him as a, a challenging person who's facing challenges, I get better results. I guess you can empirically test that. The problem or that the metaphysical interpretation of spirituality presents to the mater materialistic one is what if the universe doesn't work? I'll see it when I believe it. What if the universe actually works, you'll believe it, you'll see it when you believe it. In other words, you have to really believe that your boss is worthy of dignity and respect before you're even going to see the things about him that are dignified and worthy of respect. Right, right. Yeah, that's really, really uh, interesting points you're bringing up there. So... Yeah, and, and I'm not sure what the answer is to that, but yeah, it's it's if you if you don't believe it, it's not going to work. And I think you know I'm, I'm planning on doing a positive thinking podcast at some mm. point in the future as well, going over some of the pitfalls of why positive thinking mm. where it can go where it can fail. You know, an example of that would be you, you're sitting there and you're telling yourself, you know what, um, I'm I'm thin, I've got a great body, mm. but meanwhile you're 300 pounds and you know it's bullshit. Mm. And so there's that contradiction. You're, you don't really believe it. And so it's not going to work. Mm. You know, I mean, there has to be, and there, there are ways to, I have a few tips for, for handling that when you know you're not where you want to be. Would you please share them? Uh, that'll be a teaser for the positive thinking. Okay. <laughs> well, tune in for that one. I've got a couple as well. Yeah, because I mean, I found some things that really work well for me and, and avoid that cognitive dissonance you get, the, the contradiction in your brain when you know it's bullshit, you know it's, it's really not, not true. So, so we, we, that, that'll be uh, covered thoroughly in the Positive Thinking Podcast. But yeah, it, um, this whole thing ab about spirituality and the subconscious mind and, and is this, is, the subconscious mind, what other people have referred to as God, mm. you know, you, you get in this area of, well, that's an interesting theory, but how do you, yeah. how do you test that? How do you prove that? You know, and it's, what's the, what's the scientific proof for, for this kind of thing? And, um, and that's, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think when you look to proof, you know, there, there is some proof that, that it's not conclusive, but it's, it's evidence that weighs in that corner. So, the example being, you know, the piles and piles of papers on how effective placebos are, mm. you know, and that could show you and then you can see where like faith healing works if the person believes If they don't believe it doesn't work, <laughs> you know, mm. and where faith healing, there'll be religions. They'll say, look, our religion is the one true religion and we know it's the one true religion because our faith healing works. So come follow us, follow my God. And then there'll be another religion that says this exact same thing. So you so you say, well, they can't both be right. <laughs> you know, so there's something mm -hmm. else going on here. It's not that your God is answering and you're the one true religion. Because mm -hmm. if that was the case, then why would this other person who's saying worshiping a different God but saying the exact same thing and their faith healing works too? Right. So that, I certainly think that that passage that you've played is very beautiful. And there's a lot of compelling things that are said in it. The end hypothesis is unfalsifiable. So we're faced with a problem and accepting it. And even though it may well be true, in the same way that some religious accounts for things are unfalsifiable, but may seem compelling to people who believe them. 
I'm sure that Steph would be raging to hear me say that. Let me put it a different way. How do you know that what you know is true? How do you know that what you believe is true? How can you check whether a belief is true? Well, I, I mean, obviously, reason and evidence plays into it quite a bit, you know. Right. So, I, you know, I, I like the example that um, can you really know for sure when you're walking down the sidewalk that you're not hallucinating and you're not about to walk off a cliff? Mm. You know, maybe maybe you're something, you know, something snapped in your brain and you're totally having a hallucination right now and you're about to walk off a cliff, or you're, you're the sidewalk actually ended and you're in the middle of traffic and about to get hit by a truck. How can you really know that? And the truth is you, you can't. You can't know that you're not, you didn't just completely go crazy and you are having a 100% um, illusion right now. You know, um, that, that that's, uh, what's the term for that? Um, hallucination. You know, that you're not like all, all your senses, you're, you're getting a, all senses are being overwhelmed by this hallucination there's no way to, to to know that you're not, but it's not. I, I would say the one thing is, it's not happened in the past. Mm. So, I guess that's enough evidence for me to to think that it's probably it's not happening right now. You know, so it's kind of like the you know in the past I've dropped a thousand stones. And every time I drop the stone, it falls. So, I'm going to assume that on that thousand and first stone that I drop, it's going to also fall because it, you know there's enough evidence in the in the in the basket now. And that I can say that, you know what, I know it's going to fall. Right. You know, and the skeptics, the hardcore skeptics would say, but you can't know that. You could have been created three seconds ago wholesale with your memories intact. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, God, those juicy skeptics. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, here, here's my argument to skeptics. Is, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying that you, um, how do you know that, there's really not poison in that glass of water you're about to drink of. How do you know that you're not about to walk off a cliff and that you're not just having a hallucination, all this stuff? You don't know, but you know what? Even the most hardcore of skeptics, they live their lives like they do know. Right. They don't sit there and be like, oh, curl up in the fetal position and say, I can't take another step because it could be a cliff edge. Mm -hmm. That's not how they live. They're like, no, even the most hardcore of skeptics who are like, you can't know anything still act like they pick up that glass and they take a chug. You know, they don't act mm. like, whoa, it could be poison. You know, they don't act like, whoa, that could be a cliff edge. You know, so I'm like, okay, you don't really believe it. You're sitting here saying that I don't, I don't believe that you can know anything, but your actions speak louder than your words. You're acting like you really know. Mm. So I call bullshit that you say you don't really know because, you know, actions speak louder than words. You don't live your life that way. So it's kind of like the stolen concept fallacy. You know, I guess the, the example of that is, is they say you can't know anything. That's an absolute. Mm. So does that mean you can't know that you can't know anything? You know what I mean? It's like that's so. You know, there are no absolutes. Well, isn't saying there are no absolutes an absolute? Of course, it's the first absolute. So let me I'll just say, going back to what we were talking about with spirituality, while I feel like I've got a, a pretty good amount of evidence to 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 weigh in and say that. Um, the subconscious mind is what other people perceive as God. And I'll um, tie this into the IFS therapy, internal family systems therapy, parts work and the like, which I was discussing on some of my recent podcasts. I had on Jay Early, an IFS therapist, talking about this concept. And, um, and after that, Daniel Mackler, again, we, we, talked, we touched on it briefly. But and that is the subconscious mind, or even the conscious mind. I think both. It's 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 more like a a collection of of, of components. You know, a you body, have you might say. Yes, a body, a, a body of it's, it. It really is an internal family, and if you look at the work of uh, like let's say Pete Gerlach, who's somebody who's been on my show a number of times. I believe he's been on. Uh, you've interviewed him as well, mm -hmm. as well, Anthony. So if you look at his work, these, these sub-selves, these different parts of the personality, he actually has one whole classification of parts. So he's got, you know, there's the, there's the children, child sub-selves, guardians, managers. He's got a whole classification, a fourth classification, which he calls higher powers. Mm 
And he said, this is a part of you that, you know, it, uh, it's very wise. It, it, some people call them guardian angels. Some people say they're, they're inner Jesus or they're inner Buddha. And, you know, if you listen to in Buddhism, I mean, that's actually something they talk about is the, all the time is to try to, you know, when you're doing these spiritual practices like meditation and like is, is trying to connect with your inner Buddha and listening to your inner Buddha. Can you hear his voice? And all of this just says this. There's a part of your subconscious mind there, or even your conscious mind uh, that that takes on the aspect of like an angel or has if, if you're somebody that believes in angels and you see you, you hear this voice of this part of your of your mind that Pete Gerlach labels as a higher power that it's going to seem to you like God's talking to you or like a, a guardian angel is talking to you, you know, and it's Pete has witnessed this so much. You know, he's had thousands of clients. He's witnessed it so much that he's created a category, a generalization. He's like, yeah, I see this in just about all my clients. They have, you know, they, they have some parts that fit this, this description of falling under, you know, a, a higher power. So, and I've seen it in my own work. I have one, uh, you know, an in, in, in inner Buddha, mm. you know, that's, is very much, you know, I, I consider it through parts work can have conversations with these different parts. And I have one who's like, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm that part that would be, some people would call your inner Buddha. Mm. And whenever I talk to this one, it's, it's extremely wise, always gives me great advice. It's something you'll see this in many different practices. I mean, Tim Kelly is, is somebody I know. Uh, you actually turned me on to Tim Kelly. He's, he, he's from the, the Purpose Institute or the True Purpose Institute. It's about you know finding your true purpose in life. But he talks a lot about, I think he calls them trusted sources. Right. But he says, you know, you can believe that it's you're talking to God or an angel or saints or something, or you can believe that you're just talking to your to a part, you know. Yeah, New Agers would call it your higher self. Your higher self. And yeah, I mean there's like so many different people out there that are all talking about the same thing. They might have different terms for it. You know, Nathaniel Brandon, who's one who's not a new agey at all, uh the psychologist, you know, is a uh, a, um, one of Ayn Rand's lovers, you know, he's, he's pretty big in the, the objectivist movement and the like. Very great psychologist. He talked about a sage self. He said, you know, you've got a, a child self, a teenage self, a sage self, and, and um, I, don't, I don't know if he called it the true self or not. But, I mean, when he says sage self, I mean, this is this wise part inside of you, deep inside that subconscious that has this ability to take in all the information around us and process it at a much higher level and, and see patterns and, and, and say, you know what, you're heading down a bad path with this current mm. path, you know, this current track you're on, you're heading down a bad path, you're going to wreck your life. Um, you're not communi- communing with me through meditation and the like. like mm. um, so I'm going to send you a dream about it, and hopefully that will get your attention or whatever. Right. This part is there, and it's seen by so many people. So I feel like there actually is evidence for this. You know, Pete Gerlach said, you know, originally he didn't have higher powers. Originally he had, you know, he was a student of um, of Dick Swartz. Mm. You know, Dick Swartz all had the three, you know, the, the children, children, guardians, and managers. He may have used different names. I think some, sometimes they use exiles, mm. protectors, you know, instead of children and, and guardians, but... But he started off with three, and then he just he saw it so much and so many different people, so many of his clients that he's like, you know what? There's a fourth category, and it's this it's this higher power. So, I think there is evidence out there, and it's like I can see the evidence myself by just talking to it in my in my mind. Now, could, is that falsifiable by somebody else? Are you trying to convince yourself that you really believe in this? Because it sounds like part of you doubts it. Like, it's almost too amazing to accept. Um, hmm. That's really interesting. I guess because I've, I, I don't feel like I doubt it, but now that you're saying it, I've encountered so much skepticism right. from people. When I talk to people, they're like, yeah, you're, mm. you're fucking talking to yourself, Chris, you're crazy. You know, I mean, there are a lot of people that tell me that. People that I respect, people that are not, like, locked fully in the matrix, like, um, so many, you know, we had that show on unplugging from the matrix. Yeah. There are people that are unplugged from the matrix, but when I talk about IFS therapy, they're like, yeah, um, that's all right, Chris, you can go ahead and have conversations with yourself. I'll be over here, <laughs> you know. Well, more is the pity for them, but you make the case so strongly, and for me, it seems self-evident 
if anyone talks to themselves or evident if you talk to anyone who's talked to other people's selves um, in a deep and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's the thing, because you can work, you can talk to somebody else's parts if you do parts work with them. Yeah, so there is, a, there is an empirical test for it. I think there's a deeper question at stake with the, which this podcast points to, which is suppose there was something mystical or sublime about it, what would be the test? How, how could you test that? Whether it was just part of you, part of your unconscious mind, your body, like Stefan Molyneux says, or there was some kind of mystical interpretation, whether it's at some deep level we're all one with the universe and we can channel the wisdom of the universe through our system, or there is um, some um, nondescript creator with no particular features that dresses it up in the faith of the person who accesses that information in order to make it palatable for them with the belief systems that they have. Mm -hmm. If that was true, how would we know? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that test would be. And I've reached the point where, to me, it really doesn't matter. To me, the end end result is, does it work? Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The secret... You know, I recently recently watched The Secret, and it's another positive thinking book, positive thinking documentary, and they talk about it being the universe. You know, if you you could change the universe with your thoughts, you know, but then they say after that, they're like, you know, if you don't, if you want to think it's God or you want to think it's the universe, or you just want to think it's all the subconscious mind. You know, it really doesn't matter how it works. What matters is it works. And they said, so you don't have to understand how electricity works to be able to flip a light switch and turn the light on in the room. So you, you could have no, no idea how electricity works. You know, a three-year-old child goes over and grabs the remote and turns on the TV or, you know, flips the light switch and the lights come on. You can change your life. You can better your life by doing positive thinking techniques, by having spiritual disciplines, meditation being, you know, a, a, a big one, um, parts work, I think could definitely fall under being a, a spiritual practice in a sense. There, there are many things you can do, yoga and, and the like, that you can change your life and really have a positive impact and bring more happiness to your life, bring more success to your life in, in virtually any area of your life by doing these spiritual disciplines. And... If it works, do we need to know why it works? You know, and um, it would be great to know why. And I think I've got a pretty good answer that, you know, I, I'm, I'm content with my answer of the, the subconscious mind. If I'm wrong, I don't know that it really matters. Well said. While we're uh, on this topic, one of the things that I thought was so cool about this when I discovered this idea that divinity really lies within us, you know, that we really are God in what, you know, we're praying, we are answering our own prayers. I started thinking about it through the ages of what, you know, about God and and the religious practices that are out there and tying this in with with parts work and the different parts and, you know, because it's, as far as I can tell, many of our parts if not all of them, they're internalizations of the people around us, most especially our parents and maybe older siblings. But not only are they internalizations of our family, of our parents, that's not quite as accurate as saying that our parts are internalizations of our parents' parts. Right. So, I, you know, I probably have four or five parts in me from each of my parents, where it was their parts, you know, the one aspect, whenever one of their parts would be at the wheel controlling them, you know, that, that would leave an impression on me and I would imprint and that would create a part inside me. And when another one was there, that would create a part. So, you know, you might have an authoritarian disciplinarian part, you know, real strict and that's, that's part. And then there's another part where there's a real loving, caring, nurturing part, you know, when they're um, just really connecting to you with love and that, that creates a part inside of you and so on. 
And the thing is, their parts they got from their parents. And their parts they got from their parents before that, and so on and so on. It goes all the way back. So this is like, you know, like Steph talks about how the subconscious mind goes on forever, and also how, you know, your arm, human human arms in general existed long before yours, and it's a pattern that keeps replicating itself forward. In our minds, these parts inside of us are a pattern that keep replicating themselves forward in such that I'm quite sure I've got parts of me that are, it's a pattern that I don't even know how many generations back this goes. I mean, I'm mm. sure there's been subtle changes along the way. There's been a, a quote-unquote evolution of the parts along the way, but, you know, in a very real sense, these parts, I'm, I'm sure, go back for ages. So when I'm, you know, and there's many cultures that their ancestors are their deities. They, they will pray to their ancestors. And then their, ans- they, their prayers get answered. That's an awesome observation, Chris. Yeah, yeah. So it's like your your ancestors are inside you, and they are answer. If you pray to your ancestors and they answer your prayers, they really are like answering mm-hmm. your prayers through you. You they are, you are that ancestor. You are God. That is really cool. Yeah, and I was like, whoa. But, uh, when I when I put those pieces of the puzzle together, I thought that is really freaking cool. <laughs> you know, that is so cool. And that, you know, we are God walking around. We can, you know, and you hear stuff like in, in, in New Age books and in, in a New Age podcasts and like talking about, you know, connecting with the divinity within you. And it, it can sound kind of hokey. Cheesy. Yeah, but. And it, and it, for a long time, I, that's how I felt about it. But now that I've kind of put, you know, made all these ties together and I'm doing my own spiritual practices meditating and doing uh, quote unquote prayers and I'm seeing these prayers answered very you know very real very um recognizable I mean some of these are you know even like objectively verifiable things I'm I'm seeing my prayers answered before me I'm now I when people talk about spirituality I don't tune out anymore mm-hmm. I don't like roll my eyes or you know just all right nothing to see here keep walking you know, I now can listen and actually gain from it, even if I totally disagree with what they're labeling as the why. They might be labeling it as God. I can sit there and listen to them talk about it and and get something out of it when they're talking about spirituality and spiritual practices, even if we don't agree on what the why is. You know, they might be talking about the universe. They might be talking about your soul and all the, the spirit and all those things, but I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't agree with the why, but I don't care. You can go ahead and put whatever label you want on the why this works. But I do know it works, so I'm going to listen and see. If, if do you got do you have a a tip that that helps that's more effective? So you know the the quote unquote prayer method that Joseph Murphy talks about in his book, I found that one to be pretty effective. So I'm I'm an atheist, but I pray all the time. I pray multiple times a day, and since I've discovered that, I've had a very, very noticeable increase in my happiness and my mood, my attitude, my relationships around me keep getting stronger. And, you know, it's just been uh, really, really spectacular. You don't need to agree on the why, I guess is my, my thing. It's been pretty cool discovering that, that now when I'm talking to people and they mention things about spirituality, I have a way to translate that to, okay, so what they're talking about when they say spirituality I, I can translate to, to what that means to me. You know, when they talk about communing with God, I can translate to what that means to me and then be like, okay, now if I translate that into what that means to me, d- does what they say make sense? Is it true? Yes, it is true. Okay, cool. That's interesting. Oh, I've got something to, to think about or something to try. Or, or, you know, maybe no, it's not true even when I translate it to me. Huh. But, uh, but at any rate, it, it gives me a framework for having conversations with people about spirituality. Even though, from my definition of spirituality, doesn't include, I don't feel we have a spirit in the, <laughs> you know, I think it's all just, it's another layer of the mind. It's, there's the conscious and there's the subconscious. So it's, it's not actually something separate, some energy or eternal thing beyond this life. Although there is a pattern that, that replicates forward, you know, that it's been passed down to me by my ancestors and that I've passed forward through my descendants. Mm-hmm. It's all in the body as well. I mean, you can look at the emotional pain in your body, like um, 
a heart it might come up in your chest or your solar plexus or your stomach and if you really look at that pain and just watch it and usually it kind of evolves and finally it releases itself but sometimes weird things happen when you do it in your body your your stomach starts grumbling your body starts moving so there's memory and i think the word body is actually the preferable word for soul. I kind of wish soul was called the body, but not in the way that we use the word body to describe our physical body, but body in the same way that I would describe a body of work. Everything that is included in Christophanic, that is your body, what you would call your body, what you call your mind, what you call your soul, and they're all interrelated. The soul is the invisible body the body is the visible soul and in the same way that you can look at phenomena in your body uh, especially emotional phenomena and get a lot of healing from that and you can look at your mind from outside of your mind and i think that's what us philosophers love to do you know look at our ideas for from outside of those ideas and appraise them to make sure we're not adding anything to reality because every belief by its very definition is self-reinforcing that's why it's better to hold every belief in some degree of doubt according to how much experience you've had but first-hand experience as the mother of true knowing as you know i teach communication skills i help people overcome their own limiting beliefs and various things like that i in my practice i just serve people in whatever i can for an hour my job is just to give them of myself all i have to give them if that's to give them a sensitive ear then that's mostly what i'll do if they need something from my experience then i'll share that but fundamentally if they don't take my experience when i share it with them and apply the lessons of that in their own life they don't really know whether anything i'm teaching them is true Hmm. so i guess to if you really want to convince your skeptics that um this is true the only way to do that is say try it and you'll see. I can take a bite of an apple and tell you this is a really great apple and you might even believe me. But you'll never know it's true unless you take a bite of the apple. And I think that's my view of what spirituality is, taking a bite of the apple. Nice. That's beautiful. Yeah, you know, I've talking to skeptics, I have said to them, I'm like, what do you have to lose? And by just trying, mm. yeah, I gave the analogy. I'm like, you know, I'm what I'm telling you is there's there could be something over the, under that rock over there. All I'm saying is just pick up the rock and look underneath. And if you don't see what I'm telling you, you're going to see under that rock. So be it. What have you lost? You know, but try looking under the rock and seeing. Mm. And. Boy, I've gotten some interesting answers to that. Why they're like, oh, I have a lot to lose by picking up that rock and looking. No, they're just um, more than likely they think that they've got too much to do. Um, They're ignoring their purpose in life. And this will just be another way of um, adding another thing to their list of things that they need to learn how to do that they're not very good at. People are scared of not being very good at things. You're always not very good at most things when you start them. Everything's hard before it gets easy. And, um, you know, I just want to put an advice on that. If you're not really sure what you want to do or your mind's racing, just accept that you're not going to do anything for a few minutes. Sit down, come back into your center and um, shake out any tensions from your body so that the system works because as I've said, the body is the visible mind. If your mind's tense, your body's probably tense as well. Let the tension out of your body and then decide. Decide what you want to do in any moment. And I guess that's a 
that's a spiritual teaching throughout all sorts of traditions as well, isn't it? Be responsible for what you do in this moment because everything you've ever experienced has happened in this moment and everything you ever will experience will happen in this moment. We talk about the past and future, but everything we've ever experienced has been in the now. Mm. Yeah. So if you want to have a good now later, stop putting it off. Stop putting off learning how to enjoy yourself because like anything else you need to practice it to learn and there's no great time like now and if you're not enjoying what you're doing stop take a deep breath come into your center and take some time to ask your as you would put it your higher guidance what do i really want to do right now and it doesn't matter if you don't know what you want to do just spend some time figuring it out that's there's nothing wrong with that and you might get really good results from it. I know that I went on a non sequitur, but to me that's spirituality as well. I know I've said spirituality is several things to me because I guess it is, you know. Sure. We can't sum it up in one statement. All these all these practices are spiritual and I guess that's what you were talking about. You were talking about practices rather than conclusions. Right. Try talking to your higher self. It doesn't matter it gives you the right answer, the wrong answer, or you get it right or you get it wrong. It's a process. It's a process of praying and then seeing if your prayers work or not. And then, I mean, I asked for help a couple of weeks ago, um, which I guess you would call a prayer. And ask it of anyone in particular. Ask it to the universe, and I got it. And then, a, you know, a week later, I asked for financial help, and I got bunch of new clients so I don't know what that was if that motivated some part of me to do the work that I needed to do but the fact remains that as you say maybe I don't need to know I'm okay with not knowing the fact is it worked and because it works it works for me and Chris you don't need to convince anyone that you're right because you know that it works for you yeah, that is just really well said, and I'm I'm really uh, brings me great joy to hear about you having these successes as well, Anthony. So, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I love being on your show, Chris. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, well, I, let me put it differently. I enjoy our choice conversations. <laughs> I do as well. Well, uh, we're, we're coming up to a close here. If the listeners would like to get a hold of you, what would be the best way to do that? Find me at youtube.com forward slash enrichyourlife1. Stay in touch with me. My name is Anthony Samroff. You can find me on Facebook. If you enjoyed this conversation, please send me a message to let me know. Um, I'd love to hear from you. And um, I love connecting with people who have interest in these topics. So that would be great. Thank you so much for having me on the show again. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Until next week, be yourself. Well, don't just be yourself. Be yourself and love it.